welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello and welcome to Great Shot Kid, the podcast on the Nerd Party Network that focuses on the works of Star Wars creators both inside and outside the Star Wars galaxy. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm Mike. And we are here today to discuss a hot topic, a new rumor that has sprung up, uh, a a rumor that comes back every so often about the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie that supposedly we're going to get, but we know we're never going to get. It's the trip to the Cracker Factory in the... Simpsons episode where they're watching Poochie's introduction and they never get to the Cracker Factory. And Milhouse is crying, when are we going to get to the Cracker Factory? Never. We're never going to get to the Cracker Factory. But we might because there's a rumor that it's coming back and they'll announce it at Celebration. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will believe this rumor when it when it actually occurs, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, still, it's still fun to ponder on occasion. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean... Every if they were to there are two things that Disney could do that would absolutely blow the minds of every Star Wars fan that wants to love the Disney version of the Star Wars universe. And that is to release the unaltered original trilogy and do an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. One or both of those will like people will sign over children to Disney from that point forward. I would sacrifice the second one. For yeah, for um, the, the first one in a heartbeat. You know, I mean, I don't. I mean, you know, I mean, mm. people are excited about an Obi Wan Kenobi movie, and you know, if if they come out with an Obi Wan Kenobi movie, I'll be like, I will see that movie. You know, yeah. but like on the long list of uh, you know Star Wars movies that I want to see, Obi Wan Kenobi, I would say lower middle. Well, I think we're in a def- we're in a. <laughs> We're in a difficult time to want an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie specifically because of what just happened on Star Wars Rebels. Um, oh, that has nothing to do with it for me. <laughs> that, has, that has everything to do with it for me because I would have thought that would have made a terrific Obi-Wan Kenobi movie would have ended with that resolution. That would have been great and it would have been a big screen way to tie in all of the works that have happened. It would have made the diehards happy. It would have made uh, casual fans confused. And it would yeah. have been wonderful. Yeah, that, it, it would have been one or two of those things for sure, <laughs> for sure, without a doubt. It would have been one or two of those things. It could um, be so artistic, so artistically done. I, yeah, it could. It, it was. That, actually, it's just, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. Look, here's you the thing. Just on being difficult about that this. episode was good. Great. Period. End of sentence. Okay, look, it wasn't perfect. There was a little too much build-up and not enough actual conversation at the end. I'll give you that. But the way that the the way that this arc that has been going on for years was resolved was it was a great resolution of that arc. That's what I will maintain. It was a great resolution to an arc which arguably should have never existed. You're wrong. So wrong. Who cares whether it should or shouldn't have existed? There are so many things that weren't going to or that were last-minute decisions. If anybody's watched Breaking Bad, one of the most beloved characters on that show, Mike Ehrmantraut, was supposed to die. In like He was a one-shot character. He was supposed to be in one episode, one and done. And they decided... Well, I don't know if he was supposed to die, but he was only supposed to be one and done. And they had such a positive reaction to the character. They're like, oh, sure. So technically, Mike Ehrmantraut's plot line, which is now in the prequel series 
you know, Better Call Saul, that shouldn't have existed either, but it was beautiful and well worth it. I, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that, but it's not like they killed him and then brought him back, like, you know, in Better Call Saul, you know, which, yeah. let's say, would take place after, you know, that, and it's uh-huh. like, oh, we thought you killed him, but no, you really didn't kill him, and now let's have, like, a storyline which spans two TV shows and a few comic book uh, miniseries and a book. And it, you, you know, know what? It is, what else. it is an example of just way out there. Super. I mean, come on. What kid playing with their stuff didn't find ways to resurrect their favorite characters or have some big crashes like, oh, but they were really okay and they just had a fake arm and stuff like that. It's that spirit of fun. That's what defines Star Wars for, for me and so many other people is get crazy. You know what? You then, love to say get crazy with it, right? Don't you say get crazy with I mean, it? They got right, crazy and that's, with it. And that's fine. And But if you're going to do that, do it on something like uh, that 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 cartoon that never happened, you know, the one that the robot the comedy show? Were doing. Yeah, yeah, do it with that. Why not, you know? The, 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 the plot I line. I mean, there's Mall's a difference story between... was so cool. No, see, there's a difference between getting crazy with it and getting crazy stupid with it, you know? Wasn't like, crazy get, stupid? Like, getting, no cra- getting crazy with it. Like, here's my dream Star Wars movie. Like, way beyond uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. My dream Star Wars movie is, like, Max Rebo band in the mm-hmm. style of this is spinal tap you say uh-huh. that and i'm like oh like if they announce that at celebration i i my head will explode right there See, and then I- i'll have to get some <laughs> weird witch people to put me back together just so that i can watch this movie when it comes out in three years you know yeah and we'll do that mike because okay. i can't imagine a world where i wouldn't watch that i would i would Come out to your home base of operations, and I would see it in the theater with you. Right. Although I would offer this spin on it that I don't want it in the in the style of this is Spinal Tap. I want it in the style of the commitments. I want Max Rebo narrating the life story of his band through the uh, entire thing and how they almost had stardom and then blew up on a sail barge. That 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 would be awesome. I would watch yeah. the hell out of that. And you I, find I, out I, he's like a blue force ghost, but you can't tell he's a force ghost because he was blue to begin with. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. That would be cool. That would be, that would cool. be awesome. See, that's yeah. what they should be doing. That's what I mean by but getting the crazy mall with plot it. line was still great. But what we're talking, it was great. What we were talking about is the Obi Wan Kenobi movie that supposedly might be rumored to be happening again. Yes, uh, in the first place. And, and of I course, mean, I think I think neither of us really think this is going to happen. But it no. offers the opportunity to uh, to to uh, engage in this in this fun exercise. Right, which is an exercise we love to play along, which is the dream directors. Who would yeah. we pick? Who would we pick of the directors we've seen and know and love to direct an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? And the thing is, the one caveat I'll put on this is I think that who we pick will definitely, um, I mean, I know for me, it skews, to, it, it very much speaks to, in some circumstances, the type of movie I expect an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie to be. So yeah, I'm already I would, casting I would agree with that. Definitely, my choices are in that in that vein. Yeah. Well, then why don't you kick us off? Who's uh, who's number one on your list, or a- any order? It doesn't need to be your top pick. Anything like that. Who came to mind first for you? Okay. Well, I mean, as far as like what movie I kind of expect it to be, or or the type of thing, like I would expect it to be, and and kind kind of would hope it to be a Tatooine bound show, 
you know i don't really want to see him in space it doesn't mm-hmm. really make any sense for him to be in space maybe you have some people coming to tatooine but in that sense and the fact that he is such a loner and it is the middle of the desert the setting and everything like that i totally expect this to be in the style of a western right yes and there's two types of westerns as you know everyone says there's the western where you know the the, the man comes to town the the man with no name comes mm-hmm. to town to yep. save the town's folk and then there's the one where the you know the black hat the villain comes mm-hmm. to the town and then the t- you know whatever it was, anyway so right. i'm kind of like thinking in that sort of vein like people who have done that sort of thing but are you know kind of outs in outside of the box ways and everything and my my first my first selection i'm going in you know well I, it doesn't matter i'll save the best for last but okay. my fir- my first pick ties into uh what we were talking about with uh you know breaking bad and it's michelle mclaren who was, oh wow! Uh, nice choice. You know the the lead director or one of the lead directors on Breaking Bad. Yeah. You know Breaking Bad to me feels almost like a western in a lot of ways. You know maybe it is just the setting or whatever, but add to that the fact that McLaren has done work on things like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And you know while she doesn't have much experience on the big screen, she's done some of the most cinematic television in history. And, you know, I think everyone's just kind of waiting for her to make an epic, you know, on the big screen. And I think I think this could be that movie. You know, I I like your pick. I think that's a great pick. That would be really, really interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you 100 percent. It should be Tatooine bound. Mm -hmm. Um you know, maybe you see people come in on a ship or something. If you're desperate to get them out of the location, or they're traveling across from Anchorhead or something like that, but, Max Rebo, you got to have a Max Rebo character. Well, cameo. you know what? He's got to be starting in the cantina before the Bith played in that cantina. Max Rebo was there, and there's your tie-in to Return of the Jedi right there. Is there the house band before the Bith come in? So yeah. boom, boom. We already wrote a major element for the movie right there. Wait, major the background Bith? element, huh? The Bith. Is yeah, that the, the name of the the, the race. Yes. The okay. guys with the bulbous eyes, because because the name of the group is Figurin Dan and the Model Nodes. Modal Nodes, yeah. Okay, whatever. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. No, sorry. Force of habit. That's Force what, of, fine. Yes. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. But yes, it, it's the Bith. But <clears throat> okay. never ever will we say on this podcast what the name of the uh, type of music that they're playing is. Uh, you don't know that, do you? Uh oh. Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had a lot of fun with that one. And I remember reading that for the first time and saying, huh, really, you got away with that one, huh? That's an okay. interesting. That, that, who, whoever came up with that title was a real son of a bith. <laughs> well done. Well uh-huh. done. Uh, okay, so keeping in mind with epic, big, but really able to deal with character and and scope and scale and stuff like that, but also somebody who has demonstrated an ability to bring in some comedy and and deal with comedy. Uh, on my list is F. Gary Gray, hmm. uh, director of Straight Outta Compton and The Negotiator, which was a big factor for me. Hmm. And the fact that I believe he directed Friday yes, uh, could he give did. us... He definitely 100% directed Friday. Could uh, could give us a, a good opportunity for some funny moments in a uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, I think. 
I just thought of something. Like, if that were to have happened, like if F. Gary Gray were announced yeah. as the, then this would most likely happen on the day that his new movie, The Fate of the Furious, is released. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, wouldn't that be? And so if you want, if you want somebody that can do big action, you got somebody that can do big action. Obviously, yeah. have you seen so. the reviews of this thing? Because they. Did you hear they, they did a surprise screening at, at CinemaCon, which is the theater owner's convention? Oh, yeah, okay. Like Vin Diesel came out, and he's like, surprise, you guys are going to get to see Fate of the Furious right now. And awesome. yeah, the reviews coming out of it have been very, very positive. So That's awesome. Well, I noticed that some some jerk over on Rotten Tomatoes already gave it like one star. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, come on, you, you went in and wanting to hate that thing. No, yeah. but yeah, F. Gary Gray. I, he's one of my favorite directors, in all honesty. Um, and you know, the three movies I mentioned are three movies that I love. I think he'd be great, and I think I think that he's demonstrated an ability, especially straight out of Compton, an ability to uh, build really intriguing and clearly defined characters in a big scale, and uh, that works for me. So, who's yeah, next know, for you? Uh, um, next for me, it would be um, Denise Villeneuve. Uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. He, did, yes. he did most recently Arrival. He's also uh, doing Blade Runner yeah. 2049 or whatever they're calling it. And then he did, um, well, he's going to be doing Dune. And, and uh, he, but the, but the movie, you know, it's not Arrival, which sticks out to me as far as why, you know, they should get him. It's the movie that he did right before Arrival, Sicario. That mm. movie is amazing, and it is also very much a Western, and, you know, the action and everything is, like, really, really good, and, you know, the character stuff is, is really where it's at. I mean, all of his stuff is very much character-based. He's obviously a huge sci-fi fan, having created his own original with Arrival, and now, uh, you know, he's about to do, you know... Blade Runner and Dune, you know, and, and I mean, the fact yeah. that he's willing to, to jump onto these big properties, who's to say that he wouldn't do a Star Wars movie? And, you know, to be quite honest, I think that given his sensibilities, like an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie would be kind of a perfect fit for him. Sure. Yeah, that, I mean, that I, it's well-reasoned works for me i i'm not terribly familiar with him but he's gotten a lot of positive talk a lot of positive press and you know everything you're saying seems to line up with why so sure that would work i'm, I'm pretty sure that sicario is on amazon prime right now I, it is it's on my queue i, I desperately want to watch it highly recommend watching that movie because it's amazing i promise i will watch it this week i do it's on it is literally it's on my list of next movies to watch Cool. So cool. It, I, I promise you I will watch it. Um, next on my list, keeping in, in line with the the Western theme, of course, is uh, James Mangold. I have not seen Logan as of this recording, but I have seen a movie that sells me on the idea that he could do a movie about a reluctant hero that has to go along with a band of people. Night and Day? 310 to Yuma, oh. the remake. Yeah. You didn't like that? No. Wow. Okay, because uh, yeah. for me, three ten to Yuma was f was fantastic. I was spellbound the entire time. I adore that movie. I think it's wonderful. You can debate the very end of it, like the last thirty seconds of it, but the movie I thought was was compelling and great. And I would love a movie where 
Kenobi had to get into a situation like he's trying to live on the down low and he has to get into a situation where I mean, wouldn't it be great if he had to shepherd some some jerk through the wild, you know, the the Jundland wastes and he's, you know, to give to give some sort of, uh, you know, context to the Jundland wastes are not to be traveled lightly. Right. Have it happen in the Jundland wastes and he has to get somebody to, to safety who he doesn't want to get to safety, but he's felt honor bound. And if he if he says, I can't do this, then it's going to give away, you know, certain things. And so it's a journey where you go through and you get to learn about Kenobi and there are all these interesting conversations. Why did you not like 310 to Yuma? You know, I, I honestly have no uh, idea anymore. I saw it once huh. in the theater and I've never seen it since. And, and I just remember thinking like, this is so boring, you know? So, I mean, I <sighs> couldn't, nuts. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I could watch it again and tell you why I don't like it, but I don't want to do that. But I will say that like all of the, the points that you're making can, I mean, you could just, you know, I mean, if we wanted to in editing, even we could just take out the, the, the word 310 to Yuma and replace it with Logan and it would apply, you know. Well, so you I, I agree with your choice um, because, I mean, Logan is, is pretty much exactly what you described, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Well, then, so, great. There you go. Yeah. Good. Well, I, I, I agree. I agree. And he's someone Mangold who came to mind. Keep... He he didn't make my top five, but he's definitely someone who came to mind uh, for for this for this movie. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's yeah. good to know. That's good to know. I wasn't too far off base. Although, I I mean seriously, like I loved three ten. Was I under the influence of something? I... No. A lot of people love it. A lot okay, of people good. love it. Yeah. Good. Because it, like I remember watching it and saying and. It was one of those movies, and this happens on occasion, where I watch it and I said, "I wish I had seen this in the theater, because yeah. I would have loved to see it on to have seen it on the big screen, and I would have loved to give support to a movie like this because I want to see more of this." It's weird. Like Mangold has made a number of movies where they're like, you know, people are like, "This is amazing." Three Ten to Yuma is one. Walk the Line is another one. Oh wow, and, he did Walk the Line. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, and then was, he, he uh, and then he also did. Uh, um, you know, well, the Wolverine and all three of those movies were movies where people came out and they're like, this is where it's at. James Mangold is such an amazing director. And I'm like, uh, all of those movies I watched and I was like, not impressed, not impressed at all by any of these movies. And then there's one movie which I saw where I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This Mangled, this is clearly his best movie. I love this thing. This is so great. This is what everyone's talking about. And then the critics, you know, come out and they're like, this movie's total garbage. And I'm like, <laughs> what? And that movie is Night and Day. I, I really, really love Night and Day. I don't understand why no one else likes it. I me. still have to, quote unquote, have to see it. So. <laughs> We'll, it's it's we'll it's see. it's it's good it's good for sure I, you know what i don't doubt it that uh well that came out at the height of tom cruise's um hated it, phase yes it, the, it was the like post, post mission impossible 3 when you know people were trying to figure out whether or not he was still a star that kind of thing yeah. it's really good it's really charming you know it's it's a lot of fun the action is very well done and you know nothing about it speaks Obi Wan Kenobi, but it, it is definitely worth watching nonetheless. All right. So who who else is on your list? Who's next? Uh, well, next for me would be Antoine Fuqua. 
Um, the choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, Antoine Fuqua can can direct whatever the, the hell he wants, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm there. You know, I mean, recently he did do a western. You know, with with Magnificent Seven, which you know, eh, maybe maybe not the best movie in the world, but there are a lot of movies which he's done, which I think sort of. Um, take on this this kind of philosophy, you know, going all the way back to his very first one, The Replacement Killers, you know, mm-hmm. with, with Chow Yun-Fat. You know, that's maybe not a Western, but it does sort of ap- apply in, in this sense of like, you know, a lone hero, you know, someone who's, you know, caught on the wrong side of 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 justice in a lot of ways and, you know, comes to terms with his own um, immor- immorality in a sense and, and, you know, decides to do the right thing. I think The Equalizer is a very similar movie in, in, in that regard. And, you know, uh, I mean, you, you can even, you know, look at stuff like Training Day and, and, and stuff like that. And you, you, you just kind of like see things. Tears of the Sun, all of his movies kind of are... The Tears <laughs> of the Sun was... That I, was an I, interesting thing. I, 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 I like I that movie. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but mm-hmm. I, I I remember seeing it in the theater, and I remember, I, I guess my reaction was similar to how you described your reaction to Three Ten to Yuma, where I'd have to watch it again to tell you specifically what I didn't like, and I don't feel inclined to do so. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, but, I don't think it. I don't think it's a fantastic movie, but but I, I do think it's good. You know, but but Fuqua is a good director. He, he was yeah. actually. You know, uh, I guess like Mangold with you, it's like it's a name that came up to me. He just didn't make my list. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, if if they said he was directing it, I'd be like, okay, cool, I'm down he, with that. He would kill it. And and you know, I mean, I I he's like one of those people where I would kind of be surprised if he doesn't make a Star Wars movie at some point down the road. He just mm-hmm. seems like that type of you know, I don't know. Yeah. I could, I could, fit. I could definitely see that happening. And oh man, that would be the best day ever. So, <laughs> well, speaking of of best day ever, I'm going to save the best day ever for last. Okay, uh, on That's my right. list. Yeah. But uh, somebody who would also be a potential best day ever for me would be Michael Mann. Because I think he can do just about anything, and it, and that's the funny thing is like usually when I make directors lists, I you know I think like you with Soderbergh, I'm like Christopher Nolan, yeah. but even I'm willing to say you know what maybe Chris could take this one off, maybe he could just sit off of this list just so I can give why you know he's got he's got a uh, director emeritus slot, so we'll just consider him an unspoken choice, right? You know, right. At, at yeah. this point, that's fair. Michael Mann though is I think a an amazing director. I've loved just about everything that he's done. Even Ali, which a lot of people didn't. Oh yeah. That's I lo- good. You know, I, I really want to see, he did a, a, like a new cut of it. Oh no, I haven't seen that where he, he basically, he sort of like changed the tone to make it more, I think like political, like focus more on his. Interesting. On, yeah. People say it's, it's really good. I don't know. I, I definitely need to check that out, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that Manhunter is great. That's an example of a reluctant hero who has to come back and face an evil to overcome it. Um, I think that Last of Mohicans shows that he can do epic scale. I think the Collateral shows that he can do, you know, epic scale, uh, but in a very intimate way. I think that uh, and action scenes. I mean, come on, the, the Tom Cruise fight scene in Collateral in the in the nightclub is insane. Yeah, um, and. 
you have uh, heat, obviously, which is, I mean, that's, you know, like Manhunter is the war is like the, the prologue to heat. It's like the warm up for that, for yeah. that film. Um, and so I think that he has a deft grasp of character and pacing and tone. And, uh, you know, in Ali, he got a great performance out of Will Smith, uh, bringing along a very nuanced picture of a larger than life character, which I think would be very necessary in an Obi-Wan movie. You got to ground him, make him very human. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, you know, Michael Mann and I mean, every everything that he films I haven't seen literally every film that he's ever done, but everything that he films that I've ever watched is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And so even if the script isn't great, I'll still enjoy treating my eyeballs to it. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, next month they're releasing uh, a restored version of the Heat Director's Cut on Blu-ray. Oh, come on. Yeah, it's going to be oh. yeah, 4K restoration and... Oh. The 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 special one of the special features, like the big special feature, is a Q and A uh, that Michael Mann and I think some other people did, which is moderated by Christopher Nolan. Oh come on, yeah, oh, come on. Well, <laughs> yeah. what what I can tell you is that uh, Heat is uh, always going to be memorable for two things. I saw it the same week that I got my wisdom teeth extracted, hmm. Hmm. so even though I was in tremendous blinding pain. And on management drugs for it, I was riveted to the screen for the entire running time. And I remember yeah. looking over at my brother with cotton in my mouth and saying, or awesome. <laughs> and I also remember, I, will, I mean, who can forget that gun battle that happens mm-hmm. uh, when, when they hold up the bank? Heat will always jump out to me as one of the handful of movies where the guns, the sound is correct. Yeah. Where it's deafening and it's like, ah, ah, ah. Like, that is what guns sound like, folks. Right. Like, but it they, is awful. But they don't sound like cannons, you know? They're, they're, um, it depends they're, on the caliber. But, but, but this, this, I mean, the, they, they don't, they, the caliber sounds appropriate, you know? It's yeah. loud, but it's not like. Right. It's not the, that, yeah. that sound. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's actually, you can tell that these were. Yeah, these. This is how this gun battle would have actually sounded, and that, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's another thing that you got to give man credit for is he knows how to use sound. I mean, look at the soundtrack for, I mean, the soundtrack for Last of the Mohicans is so weird because it was one thing and then he was changing it to another thing and couldn't meet the deadline. And the soundtrack is still one of the best soundtracks I've ever listened to for a film, even though it's like half synthesizer with, you know, it's like it's this weird mishmash, but he made it work so beautifully. You don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, th- that's my effusive praise of Michael Mann. So yeah, yeah, it's a good, yeah. good choice. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, who's next for you? Um, next for me is pro- probably about as unobtainable as Michael Mann, but, you know, whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> it's it's George Miller. Oh, uh, gosh, that would be... <laughs> you're thinking like a Mad Max type of Obi-Wan Kenobi movie? Yeah, you know. All but right. hey, I'm I mean, if he's if he's willing to, you know, take some meetings at DC for the, the new Superman movie, then I... Come on, he's willing to take some meetings for Star Wars too, right? Yeah, I'd come say on. so. So, you know, I, I, yeah, I would... I mean, come on. Yes, Mad Max, but with, but with Obi-Wan Kenobi instead of uh, Mad Max... Mad Obi Wan, Mad Ben, Mad Ben. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. Mad Ben, I like that. <laughs> I like that very much. I mean, can you imagine like the first shot of like Fury Road, you know, but with with Obi Wan Kenobi, just the way that starts off, where like 
Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi's it's a like, land speeder instead yeah. of the muscle car. And he's, he's yeah. peeing, and then like a little uh, um, womp rat runs by, and he steps on it. And well, womp rats like, are two meters. You'd want a desert skitterer, okay. Mike. Okay, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that would be amazing. I agree. Oh. I, I couldn't agree more. That would be a very, very fun thing to see. Uh, you know, Miller, you know, he's had an interesting career for sure. And I think that uh, Fury Road forgave a lot of sins and missteps in his past that, nice. that he's had and shown that he still has a tremendous vision. And, th- and th- that's the thing is Miller would be great. A lot of these would be great because you'd be dealing with people who aren't just directors, but filmmakers who... Mm-hmm. When they come to a project, they have a singular vision. And the thing that would always worry me about names like these coming on board is, are they going to get reshot to death? Are they going to get, yes, that's very artistic, and now we're going to bring in Gilroy, and he's going to make a tie into the TV series? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, uh, it's it's just some tricky territory. But I mean, sure. I guess my my thinking is like the people who they would bring if they bring in people of this caliber, they're going to be turning out a product which is good enough that you know the powers that be will be like, that's fine, that's cool, we will go with that. Well, I think an Obi Wan movie more so than Rogue One, absolutely, and would probably be more in the same vein as. Um, as I think the Han Solo movie is going to be, where there's going to be far less pressure to tie it into anything. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be designed to plug into, you know, this is the events of what happens right before episode four, because we already got that. Yeah. You know, at worst, it'll be like, this is what happened right after episode three, but there's a lot less pressure about where it has to end mm-hmm. and how it has to get there. Yeah. Because there's a lot more uh, nebulous space in there for them to navigate. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have the movie jump through several years and you know in the progress of it and you know have the movie take place over the course of 10 years or something so i i know that you've been offline recently but have you yes. heard about the han solo thing nope okay do you want me to tell you no, maybe maybe on the other side of the briefing room okay i don't All know right. okay because uh you know, if it, if it's potential spoiler territory, I don't want I'm, Great Shot Kid to be responsible for spoiling somebody's uh, Han Solo I, I, experience. Everyone who's, heard, I mean, this was something which what's his name said at a stockholders meeting. It's not like it's okay. A go ahead, then it's not a spoiler. It, it's going to take place over the span of a few years. It's going to take oh, place excellent. over like six years or something like that. Oh, I actually, I'm really glad to hear that. That's yeah. cool. That means that they're doing something that's a little bit different. Yeah. It's not going to be something that takes place in in the span of four days or less or something the o- like that. The other thing, which I guess you've missed, which is going to, you know, which set the internet on fire and, you know, probably whatever, is he's like, we'll also find out how Han Solo got his name. It's because it's a code name <laughs> from when he was running Chewie to Kashyyyk to visit his family. Okay, I would assume that it was because his parents were, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Solo were like, let's name him Han. <laughs> no, there was, uh, because I know that, and this is probably taken from the Lucas Bible, that um, uh, Han, there was speculation, like nobody knew for sure, but Luke, I forget what worked. I mean, I've read so much stuff over the years, but um, one of the things was like Luke pondering that maybe Solo was an assumed name because Han always saw himself as alone. 
But then there was the odd flip of, you know, always Chewbacca was there with him, so he wasn't really. And so, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. So, all right. This wouldn't be the first time that he's... Okay. Interesting. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. No, but I forget specifically what work... uh, If anybody remembers what that is... You're uh, either older or just have a better memory than I do. So maybe maybe the John Daly books or something. It, Brian Daly books, Brian Daly. possible, yeah. but no, Luke isn't in those because that all oh. takes place in the corporate sector. Oh yeah, which yeah, I think yeah. I it's think like still before... exists, but might have been renamed the Federation when the prequels came around. But the the idea of a corporate sector, mm-hmm. like controlled by companies, is very much from the very early days of Lucas because Daly leaned very much on those, you know, the the Lucas Bibles. Yeah. Um, you know, for for the story structure and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. They're inter- you've never read them? I think do they do comic book adaptations of them at one point? Probably. I think I read those. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Daily's it it was always writer. something which it was intriguing to me. I just never, I never got around to it. You know. Well, you know, uh, Daly also did the, um, the, did the Star Wars radio dramas. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And uh, his treatment of Solo is very loving in those. He obviously yeah. understood and and enjoyed. I I personally hope that uh, wh- when they're making this Han Solo movie, there's some sort of uh, nod to those works because. Well, they say and, that and, the the radio dramas are canon where they don't contradict uh, they contradict in so many places though <laughs> well, they you know. really really do oh well. yeah uh yeah so okay <laughs> so what's your number four uh my number four is actually Catherine bigelow uh yeah. because she's a great director but also because uh i think that hurt locker shows that she can uh do a, a piece that's focused on a singular character in difficult circumstances, who's got a lot of questions about what he's doing and why he's doing it and the situation that he finds himself in. And so I think that uh, she'd be able to handle a story like that. And, you know, I think that it would be a much more, um, I, I, you know, I mean, the word's overused, but, you know, a much more intimate portrayal of Kenobi that you would find in mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think that, you know, her work on Strange Days, you know, shows that she could probably create a, you know, companion character for him that would be a good foil, would be a good sounding board, and there would be, I mean, I know that there would be really good dialogue in it. Yeah. I, you know, she's, I mean, one of my favorites, you know, I mean, because of stuff like Strange Days and Zero Dark Thirty and everything like that, so I would totally be on board with her directing anything. Um, yeah. uh, although, like, if you were to sort of, like, point to her, her let's say, quote-unquote, westerny work... I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me is a movie which I just saw for the very first time, and that's Near Dark. Tread lightly, Mike. <laughs> Tread lightly, Mike. I'm warning you. <laughs> I, I I mean, it was perfectly fine, I guess. <sighs> I guess. It was f- uh, fine. It was a fine movie. I, I was so excited. This is how excited I, I was. I sacrificed seeing Blade Runner on the big screen in order to see near dark on the big screen, you know, as as a blind, you know, watch, and I was I was definitely disappointed by the end result. But you know, I can see why people like that movie. Like, there's like two or three moments in there which are like stellar, and I think people remember those moments and don't sort of remember the rest of the movie on the whole. They have like fond memories of like 
key sequences which which stand out and that's my take on it anyway well i i uh, i think that it's the danger of any cult movie mm-hmm. is that it over time gets built up so much i yeah. feel myself fortunate to have seen it on vhs for the first time when i was a wee lad um and my friend had seen it and was like oh you got to see near dark and I saw it, and I guess I was young enough where it just created that sense memory impression. Like, I'm sure that if I showed Highlander, the original Highlander, to somebody for the first time who had never seen it, <laughs> yeah. the reaction would not be what I would be hoping for. Because when you see a movie, especially in terms of its hype cycle, very much affects your reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, Highlander is a movie which probably if I saw in a vacuum I wouldn't like, but you know, it that to me is sort of like intrinsically linked to like the sci-fi fantasy club at my high school. And be, <laughs> and because of that, not to mention the music, you know. Well, yeah, yeah the music yeah. the music's awesome. Uh and Queen redeems itself for Flash Gordon with that one. Okay. Uh, you know what? Now, 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 who needs to be treading lightly here? Because that no, no, no. See, you're about to that, defend Flash Gordon. That Flash Gordon oh, soundtrack is amazing. Oh. Okay, 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 okay. I'm talking about redeeming themselves for being involved in the movie Flash. Gordon. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. Because see, here's the thing. Like, I'm a huge fan. Like, Queen is like my number one band. Like, you know, I have all. Of they're their awesome, albums. man. I'll never, I'll never speak ill of Queen. Yeah, no, I mean, I, they're the never. best, right? And because of that, because I had, you know, like I was, I at one point got to a point where I'm just like, I need all of Queen's albums and I need to just listen to them repeatedly, you know, in chronological order. And that included the Flash Gordon soundtrack. And I had not seen Flash Gordon. I was listening to that soundtrack for like a good 10 years before I saw the movie. And I had made that movie in my mind because there's a lot <laughs> of dialogue and everything on the soundtrack, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I know what this movie is. I know exactly what this movie is. This movie is amazing, and I can't wait to see it. And I finally saw it, and I'm like, this is not the movie they did the soundtrack for. <laughs> I don't know what movie this is, but it's different, and it's terrible. So, but that Hello, soundtrack VHS is rental amazing, place. though. What? VHS rental place, you mixed up. You made, you've got some tape that has the wrong soundtrack <laughs> with this movie. Give me the one that, did, that Queen actually worked on. <laughs> Oh well, what can you do? But yes, yeah, but yeah, much. Highlander, it's amazing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, well, the European, the quote-unquote European cut, far superior to the American cut the dir- because there are certain that, things. That's that, the director's cut, like with the extra sixteen uh, minutes or whatever. Yeah, is it director's cut? Is it European? I don't know. Like, that's one of those movies that has like five cuts for it, or whatever. well, no, Highlander two has like six thousand yeah, cuts, the and Ren- they all suck. The renegade version and everything. Ugh, just don't, don't, don't even. I, I could do a whole two hour diatribe about Highlander two, and just it, it broke my. It's the Fredo of my fandom experiences. It broke my heart, yeah. and but uh, Highlander had. Like it was sort of like the the professional had a European version and an American version. Okay, Highlander had a, a, a European version and an American version. In both circumstances, the European version has like a scene or two in there where you're like, "Oh, that, yeah, no, I I love the American version, but that makes a lot more sense now." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and it's um, like you find out how he saved his secretary's life when she was a kid. Uh, he saved her from the Nazis. Uh, and that's why yeah. she's so dedicated to him over time and everything. Right, but right. But yeah. you actually see that moment 
in the, in the past and everything. So I, I think that's what they're billing as the director's cut these days. But yeah, probably yeah, so. Yeah. Probably so. Probably because he saw it and he was like, yeah, 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 that's the version I like. Yeah. So so who's next on your list? Okay, well, this is my, my, my number one choice, you know, and I know it'll be a controversial one or whatever, but who cares? So <laughs> my number one choice is Robert Rodriguez. Um, I mean, I know that, you know, maybe he's kind of fallen out of favor with a lot of people or whatever, you know, that's, I mean, I understand it and, and, you know, that's fine or whatever, but I see this as being a different thing. I also see him being in sort of a renaissance right now, you know, I mean, he's doing Alita Battle Angel for, for James Cameron and, you know, all signs point to that being awesome. I'm the one person in the world who cannot wait to see his remake of Escape from New York. And, uh, yes, I would love to see him direct a Star Wars movie, and I think he would do a really cool job with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, you look at, like, his early work, you know, especially, like, the Desperado, you know, the El Mariachi movies. I think that that totally you know, locks into that, you know, sort of like um, mindset, you know, of an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. He can do action like nobody's business and everything. You know, he's obviously fine with special effects. And I think like if you give Robert Rodriguez the resources that Lucasfilm has, he could make an amazing movie. And uh, I, I would love to see it. I'd be down with it. Yeah. I, You know, I, I'm... I don't hold any particular grudge against him. I mean, like, I mean, you, you, I think we've talked about it before. Spy Kids is actually a good movie. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, so sure. he's obviously able to make something that's accessible to kids, but at the same time tolerable to adults, mm-hmm. which is essentially the niche that Star Wars found was, you know, it appealed to all ages. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could see that work. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Just, you know, I, I mean, just don't make another From Dusk Till Dawn and we'll be, everybody will be happy. Wait, 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 what? So uh, you don't like from do dusk till dawn? I do. I do not. I didn't know this I about you, or else I would have never done this podcast with you. <laughs> what? I saw it in the movie theater. Uh huh. And I know how you feel about gear shifts, and the movie definitely has a gear shift. The best gear shift. Is it? Yes. Because I, maybe I need to rewatch it. That's yes. entirely possible. But yes. I remember seeing it in the movie theater and totally getting into it, and I was into what it was doing, and I was like. This is so cool. Hey, look, Tarantino's actually managing to act. That's yeah. even better. Yeah. And yeah. go and going along and I'm like, you know, Harvey Keitel, of course. Yeah, th- this is really interesting. This is really what just happened? What what just now it's goofy. What just happened? Like it was so disorienting in the movie theater that I had a very negative reaction to it. And maybe I need to see it again. Maybe I had too much invested in expecting to see a Quentin Tarantino movie and that's what it gives you in the beginning so I was like yeah this is another Tarantino what and it just did that to me and it that is why it sort of didn't work for me that's insane that's insane the last time I saw it was in the movie theater that's okay. how long it's been it's since I watched time, it. You know, we just had the 20th anniversary. Actually, we just had the 21st anniversary because uh, it came out in early 96 or whatever. It's time for a rewatch. All right. I, you know what? I'll take, I'll take the Pepsi challenge and I will, uh, I'll rewatch it after Sicario, though. Okay. Okay. I got to watch Sicario first. Okay. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. So what's your, okay. your number one absolute, you know, blow me away? 
George Lucas. Okay. Woo him. Bring him back. <laughs> you created this character. Do an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie the way that George Lucas wants to do it. Show us what you always intended for this character. Let him have a shining moment. He'd never do it. And so the backup choice that's just like uh, having Lucas do it in my book. And yes, I know he's never done a live action big screen movie, but I would let Filoni do it. I know you're shaking your head, (laughs) but I would give it to Filoni. At the very least, with all of these directors, I want Filoni involved because Filoni is on record as talking about how he had very long conversations with Lucas about what Obi-Wan was doing and where Obi-Wan was. And I, Filoni would express the same voice and intent that Lucas would have had. But I would love to see Lucas come back without the pressures of doing the big Skywalker family story and say, you know what, you wrote this guy. You know where he came from originally. And it's one final... Ch- and you know what? Let him make it weird. Let him make it THX 1138. Yeah. Let him make it American Graffiti weird. Let him do what he wants with it and just say whatever you want to do. We don't even care if it contradicts anything. Just make this movie and let him do it. I would be totally down with George Lucas you know, doing this movie if he wanted to do it because I think where he's at in his life, if George Lucas were to be like... I want to make an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. I I would assume that he would have something up his sleeve which would be amazing because it's not like he would just be like, oh, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, let's do that. I think yeah. it would be like something where he's like, I've, you know, I've hacked this Gibson. I know exactly what to do, and it's going to be amazing. You know? And if you bring, and if you bring McGregor back, which you would have to. Yeah. It is very well established that McGregor actually had such a good work. And the thing is, this is what a lot of people disregard, is actors who have worked with Lucas love him. Mm-hmm. A lot of the prequel actors, if you talk to them, they, they have nothing but praise for him. Yeah. And uh, uh, like even Christopher Lee, who had, you know, yeah. what a storied career was like, I love working. He's like, I'll do anything that George Lucas asks me to do. Someone was um, like, uh, who, I forget who the three were. It was like, George Lucas, Peter Jackson, and there was some other like really big one who he worked with just recently. Uh, he worked with Tim Burton. No, for... no, no, no. I mean, this was like around the time because he was like, you were in Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and something else, like some other big massive thing like of that scale. I, don't I forget who it was. Name. And they're like, who's the best director out of all of them? And he's like, George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. I buy that. Yeah. I buy that. Uh, and McGregor is... Uh, he actually had a good enough working relationship with Lucas that he prevailed upon Lucas to change an aspect of episode three uh, so that it it played differently um, and, and talked Lucas out of the original intent of the scene where, spoilers, uh, Anakin is dying on the, you know, the, the shore of the lake, the, the lava river. Originally, the shuttle with the Emperor was supposed to fly overhead and McGregor was able to appeal to Lucas and say, it makes it look like Obi-Wan might not think Anakin is dead and he's running away because he's scared. And he he prevailed upon Lucas to say, you know, Obi-Wan should be leaving Mm -hmm. thinking Anakin is dead. Otherwise, him leaving is a monstrous act and it's going to play wrong. And Lucas listened to him. And I think that, you know, if you have McGregor and Lucas back together, I feel that they both have 
I mean, obviously Lucas does, but I think McGregor and Lucas working together, they can inform each other's interpretation of Obi-Wan and get it to the right spot. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd, I'd see that movie. Yeah, yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, so, wow, that's that's our list of directors, our lists of directors. Uh, if you have a, you know, a director that you think would work well for an Obi-Wan movie, you can go ahead and reach out to us at thenerdparty.com slash contact and uh, look up Great Shot Kid and drop us an email. And, you know, one director, two directors, you have 20 directors that you think would be great, feel free to reach out to us. You can also reach out to us through the network Twitter handle, at joinnerdparty. And you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nerd party and leave your comment there. We always post the shows there on the Facebook page and you can comment on those posts. You can also uh, reach out to us uh, by going over to iTunes and dropping off a review for us. We would very much appreciate it. We've gotten some fantastic reviews of late and we very much appreciate those. But uh, a great way to get people to learn about this show, if you enjoy it, is to give an iTunes review because that influences whether iTunes recommends it to other people. So uh, go ahead and uh, give us some love over on iTunes. Now, those are all the ways through the official channels and, and reviews that they can reach us. Mike, where can people reach you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can also find me doing... Uh, commentary track stars on commentary track stars.com or Soderbergh 2828 on talk film or stage nine on trek.fm along with you along with me and stage nine. Uh, if you enjoy this exploration of the works of star Wars creators, you'll enjoy an exploration of the works of star Trek creators on stage nine and uh, that, that show is a pip as well. And uh, aside from this and that, you can also find me here on the Nerd Party Network with Matt Rushing, co-hosting Aggressive Negotiations, where we look at the weird nooks and crannies of the Star Wars galaxy. And you can find me co-hosting Words with Nerds with my pal Craig, where we get into a little bit of zaniness every single week. And, of course, you can look for Kessel Junkie on your social network of choice or over on KesselJunkie.com. So thank you so much for joining us and join us next time when we will discuss the Mel Smith directed George Lucas produced film comedy of the 1990s, Radio Land Murders. <laughs>